Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And of course, give us a like on Facebook. Please go subscribe to the Thundercast YouTube channel and put a bookmark on Thundercast.online, the online home for all things that aren't necessarily podcast related having to do with the Thundercast. Uh, Russ, it's 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 right in the thick of it now. We are in, I guess, week two of the football position group breakdown series, which I guess I should just shorten to the breakdown series. And we're going to talk about special teams this week. we got some other things that are going on around herd athletics, some um, some coaching news, per se, and uh, some things on the, I guess, the transfer front, and we're going to get into all of it. But first, let's get ourselves a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Our roads are full of uninsured drivers. When they hurt you, your insurance company can become their insurance company. Insurance companies take your money every month, but they fight you when it's their turn to pay. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from uninsured drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Well, where shall we begin with this unnumbered number of things this week? I usually start with number one. All right. Well, I mean, <laughs> where, where, which program, I guess I should say. So give me a, five things every herd fan needs to know this week. And these five things every herd fan needs to know this week, as always, brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri State's premier IT management team. We'll start with some bad news. Number one, Autumn Owen. Alex Coleman and Bree Godfrey have all entered the transfer portal in softball. Yeah. And, and that is um, somewhat shocking, but not completely surprising. Right. And mm-hmm. I've talked about this before and I know folks get, uh, they really get blinded by their loyalty to Marshall because we, we do too. Right. Cause we mm-hmm. went there and, and it's a big deal to us. And, but I've said it before, you know, players are, they they commit to coaches most of the time mm-hmm. and you and you know you can't fault them for wanting to potentially follow the person that they actually committed to wherever their next stop might be now this is not a guarantee that all three of these girls are going to follow Megan to North Carolina hell it's mm-hmm. not even a guarantee that they won't pull their name out of the transfer portal but right. look at it from their point of view right now Marshall is essentially coachless so you mm-hmm. don't know what you have in Huntington and what why you should be seeing are if there are other opportunities out there just in case Marshall makes a hire that doesn't fit your style of play or doesn't fit the chemistry that you are accustomed to having in Huntington or any number of reasons. So you're honestly just kind of putting feelers out there, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's not a, it's not a guarantee, but I find it highly unlikely. I would think that, um, all three of them pull their name back out. You know, Autumn's a grad transfer. She can do whatever she wants to do. She right. doesn't have to sit again. So um, I don't know anything about the recruiting process for these three particular players that you talked about. 
but um, I just I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing because they don't know what the state of the Marshall program is right now, just like we don't. Mm-hmm. So we knew there was going to be some additions into the portal. We knew there were going to be some names thrown around. These are really the three that I thought that I might see. If I was going to see as many as three, I thought it was going to be these three. But for right now, we're still in wait and see mode until we know the direction and start hearing some official names get thrown out there for this uh, head coaching vacancy. But I know this sucks for fans to hear. It does. This sucks for us to have to talk about. Yeah. And I agree with everything you said. Obviously, you and I are on the same page with this. They did commit to Megan. They committed to Marshall, but they committed to Megan. And any athlete out here is going to commit to their coach. And this is not new. When coaches leave and go elsewhere, whether they're fired, whether they decide to retire, whether uh, they take a new job, no matter what the scenario is, you always have athletes that will either try to follow that coach or they'll say, hey, I came here for this coach. I love this school. I love this town. I love the fans. But I was here for this coach, this style of play. And I might not be a fit here anymore. I don't know what it's like. So if you have a window that you can only be in this transfer portal for a certain amount of time, you should put your name in there. Yeah. And and if they hire someone and you meet with that coach and you say, hey, yeah, I'd love to stay here. They can easily take their name out. Do I think that's going to happen here? I don't know. Uh, I I would say probably not because I would say that they will likely move on before a new coach is even named. I just have that feeling for the timeline process. Um, I do know that you mentioned Autumn was a grad transfer. Um, Alex is from roughly one hour away from Mm -hmm. UNC. Her family, her friends, everyone is still down there that could go there. Heck, she may have grown up a huge UNC fan because of how close she was to there. It's the same with Megan getting to go to her alma mater where she played and replacing the coach that she played for. And her uh, family is is still all about UNC. And she grew up down there, not far from there. Um, it's kind of the same thing with, with Alex. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I hate that they're leaving. Obviously wanted everybody back. We're huge softball fans. But I also understand, and I'm going to cheer them on because they're great people. Yeah, they are great people. They're 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 fun to watch, yeah. um, and they did a lot for this past season. It's been well documented, all of them, even Bree, who just caught absolute fire at the end of the season and made the all tournament team. You know, right. So I'm going to say this: I want you all back. I want all three of you to come back. Right. Um, I understand the thought process, but I'm going to speak directly to him because, you know, we've talked to two of the three of them before. We haven't really talked to Bree before, but, you know, I want you back in Huntington, you know, and um, I I hope that you're just letting the process play out before you um, make that final decision. Because if there's an opportunity to have you back in Huntington, I would love to see Bree back out there in left field. I would love to see Alex back out there in right field. And of course, selfishly, we would love to see Autumn behind the plate again. Mm -hmm. So, Uh, just know that, you know, and if you do decide to move on, we're not going to be mad at you. We're not going to get on here the following week and, and, and talk bad about you because that's just not how we roll. We're going to continue to be fans, just like Russ said, and we're going to root you on from wherever you are, unless you play the herd, (laughs) in which case that's where I'll have to draw my loyalty line. Right. Cause I'm, I'm herd first, but, uh, you know, I could, I could cheer for you to go four for four with four home runs, but lose the game, you know, uh, 12 to four or something like that. But, uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. We, we definitely want to have you back. 
Um, but you know, we understand how the process is working. I, I, I want to talk to one point that you said, I think that Marshall needs to move fairly quickly, you know, because I think so too, because they need to know this pro this program had so much momentum that I think people need to know where the direction is. Right. We, we just can't, let it go a couple of months and chill. I mean, this is kind of the time to be hiring. So hopefully it's moving along whatever the process is. I hope it's continuing to move and just doesn't get stagnant for a while. That doesn't seem to have been Christian's MO at all when it comes to hiring. I mean, we talked to him when, when uh, he was talking about hiring Kim and how moving quickly, it pays dividends. Right. Mm -hmm. So hopefully this is that same kind of thing. And, and we can start to hear, you know, get some smoke and fire stuff really quickly here here's where i was going with that and i'm i'm going to clarify just a little bit i do not think that marshall will drag its feet on this hire yeah i think that it will go fairly quickly i just feel like it will go even further so accelerated with these three specific players and a lot of that is 50 percent or more you would expect them to follow their coach you, if there's this, and, we, and again, there, we don't know the roster. We don't makeup. know. We don't, we don't have a clue. But but that that just is the feeling that you would get is sure. that immediately they would want to follow their coach. So if there's a spot open, if there's two spots, there's three spots, they fit on the roster. I'm sure Megan would love to have them. She recruited them already. You know they they play a great level. Uh, so you would expect that that would happen. So that's one reason that I expect that. Two. You're talking about at least two of these. You've got Autumn, who uh, was uh, given all these different accolades and awards and everything. She's going to be very high sought after. Oh, sure. And and Alex is going to be sought after because she's an extremely fast outfielder, lead off, um, you know, just brings all that to the table. And then Bree Bree was a, a freshman that just turned 18. Mm-hmm. She has so many years ahead of her and was already playing. So I feel these three players will be so sought after that I don't think Marshall will have time to uh, get the coach, name the coach publicly after everything's done, and have them be able to uh, meet with these players and recruit them back to the herd. Recruit them before they have made their decision to go elsewhere. I just think it's a timing issue. Yeah, it is a it's a rough timing. It's a rough like spot to be in as far as timing goes but look let's talk about real quick before we move to this next thing we do have some positives coming out from from our players right we've got several of them that are playing in the music city league up there i saw last week that uh bub faringa's up there abby darnley's up there playing i thought brooklyn was playing and maybe she is but i haven't seen like uh there's a guy that's taking photos from you know the games and stuff and uh i saw that bub hit a three-run home run last week uh and uh, abby is playing I don't know her stats, of course. They're not publishing like everything in depth, but mm-hmm. the, the guy that was taking the photos had some great action shots of Abby. So she's like playing, you know, they're yeah. getting reps and getting better and continue to develop. So you've got to still be happy. This look, this is not doom and gloom. You can't just be like, oh, right. well, herd softball's, you know, re got to rebuild again. No, no, no. We still have a very impactful roster here. Yeah. It's just like whoever the new coach that comes in, A, will have to potentially plug some holes. Right and and bolster the roster in, in in certain areas, but the transfer portal is a two way street. Remember mm-hmm. that. So this coach can bring players with her or him that recruited that they recruited at their previous stop. So for right now, again, we're just in wait and see mode. But 
it sure does suck that the names that we saw flying around last week enter the yeah. portal. And uh, there was a tweet out there where Brooke was uh, teaching, uh, you know, some defensive maneuvers and, and things like that mm-hmm. uh, for infielding. So she's down there if she's not playing and all that, she's at least doing some sort of mentoring, coaching, whatever. But I think she's playing as well. Mm-hmm. We just haven't haven't seen any uh, stats or anything like that. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the second one. Let's get with some positive things. Women's basketball announces the rest of their staff. You've got Daniel Price and Angela Reiser, Reiser are uh, the assistant coaches, and Michelle Cecil is assistant director of basketball operations. So now we know that uh, Kim Stevens' staff is is fully intact. We know uh, that it's basically an all new, um, all new staff outside of Jennifer Burdett, Right? She was she was retained and and elevated actually. So we know what we can expect from a coaching standpoint, from a staff standpoint, from Kim Stevens' inaugural staff. And uh, I know that there is um, a desire to – this had to be done so that now that, you know, all of the recruiting, think about it, was falling pretty much solely on Kim, right? So now she has her team that she can kind of disperse and they can can, um, be – Oh, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. Evaluating. They can evaluating who's out there and and what's available. I've 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 heard still that uh, there are two scholarships available to be used and I guess you can leave it up to your own rationale of how you th- how you think those should best be utilized because if you look down the roster you could potentially if you bring in let's say two more one-year players, okay? Mm-hmm. For a first-year instant impact run you could be you could be potentially looking at having to turn over six to eight players next year and having mm-hmm. to recruit that many so it seems to me that you would at least want a multi-year portal player or these may go to someone through the high school ranks uh, traditional freshman but um, from what I gather there are still two scholarships out there to be made or to be utilized if they are so utilized uh, but now we now we know a little bit more about the piece, uh, another piece to the puzzle of of the Kim Stevens women's basketball program. Yeah, and I saw uh, you know usually for anyone that doesn't know, KD is doing ninety nine percent of the tweeting on the Thundercast Pod account. Uh, I saw where you were discussing that briefly, and the style of play, her program, where substituting five in, five out, and just full court press on it. I can't imagine that we would go without full, full what I said. filling a roster, <laughs> you know? So I look for something to be done in that, you know, yeah. and it's just a matter of how do you want to do it? Like you said, yeah. uh, I do not think that it would be that unheard of for her to have two stop gaps. If she decided to go with one year players and just say, Hey, this is to, people that fit this program that would be able to transition this. And then, you know, six to eight next year, you know, we can do that through this, that, whatever. So I don't know. It will be highly interesting, but I wouldn't rule out that, but I would tend to think that it's going to be a multi-year, if not high school players that would get these final two spots. I mean, even if it's just players that you get two years out of, at least, at least it stops the, uh, the, the, the sheer number of, 
prospects that you have to bring in the following year. And of mm -hmm. course, the transfer portal is never going to go away. So you right. can be right back in this situation. I mean, theoretically, you could go out and recruit eight one-year players every year, right? Yep. It's not something you want to do, but it, it's something that is theoretically possible to do. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm still, I'm still like very, very intrigued by how this whole program is coming together and what the final roster is going to look like. I mean, it could be months away before we know what the final, final roster is going to look away, look like, but it won't be too much longer after football season starts that there will be organized team workouts and you will need to know what your roster looks like, right? Because you're yeah. going to start seriously getting ready for the season coming up, but. I don't know. Coaching staff's now finalized, and we'll see if there's a little bit news left on the recruiting front for women's basketball. But I'll take two scholarships. I, I, I kind of thought we were done, but if we're not done, cool, you know. Number three, I've got uh, Charlie French has been named associate head coach for volleyball. Let's go back to that continuity thing that I that I talked about last week, I think. Uh, with the herd football coaching staff, and and when your people are performing for you, like Charlie is performing for her herd women's volleyball, you like to see them get the get that bump up and that extra title and and a more of a commitment mm -hmm. to uh, people like that. And I really get the feeling now that this program is really flying under the radar, right? Like because it's football season, not a lot of people are talking about volleyball, but now we've seen some cohesiveness with the. Uh, and continuity with the coaching staff, both in a long-term deal for Ari and now Charlie French getting elevated to associate head coach. And I even saw, I don't know if you saw this, this is going to be a bonus thing from me, right? Because uh, Herd Zone went on, uh, or I don't know if it's Herd Zone, but Marshall Athletics created a TikTok account the other day, you know, and we all know how big that is in the world of social media. And they've only got like two or three. But the most recent one was for uh, spotlighting uh, Bryn Brown, right? Or Brianna Brown. What is her name? Is it Bryn? Bryn. It's Bryn. Bryn. Yeah. Bryn from volleyball, right? So that's just telling me like there's another thing that we're trying to put some attention on this volleyball program. I think we're about to turn a corner with volleyball. Um, and I, I don't know necessarily fully what that corner is, right? But it just feels like there's a momentum, a lot of momentum heading into this program right now. New floor, uh, you know, a commitment to the coach. Um, I don't know, man. It just it feels good to talk about herd volleyball for some reason. I don't know why. It just feels like they're ready to take that next step. And this is one of those important parts to that next step. Yeah, and uh, this program feels like family. You know, we've said that about softball, and I've mentioned this before, and I got to see uh, how the players and the coaches and all that interact uh, last year's camp that my oldest mm -hmm. daughter went to, and that's coming up next month again. But they just seem to be a family. They seem to do everything together. Um, I think this is a wonderful uh promotion in keeping that family intact. Um, I don't know that we were doing this in order to keep her here or anything like that. I just think that it's a natural progression to do is to say, Hey, this is a big part of the family. Let's make sure that this family stays together and let's build on this. And I see commitment in getting this uh, TerraFlex floor. I see commitment in, promoting uh, Charlie to associate head coach, uh, Coach Ari getting an extension. 
I just see commitment in all mm-hmm. that of saying, we are behind you. We support you. We believe in everything that you're doing. You're doing it the right way. And the results we feel are coming. You know, and, and another one of those commitment things, there were, there were a number of programs that they could have tied to the football see, ticket sales, but they, mm-hmm. but it was volleyball, right? Volleyball. And that's a great, that is probably as far as ticket sales go, that's probably the biggest way to push that program because you mm-hmm. can say, Hey, for just 25 more bucks, you can get, season tickets you know to to volleyball and which as a reminder we did you're going to have an opportunity to get free tickets through the thundercast yeah so it, it just seems like this year more so than years past and especially since we've been doing this you know this podcast for a little over a year now uh, we've talked about volleyball more we've seen more things go into that program more resources allocated towards that program so it, it feels it feels like a program that's ready to quote unquote burst on the scene for herd athletics. That's just yeah. the feeling I get. I don't know if it's gonna, it just kind of feels that way because everything is just getting, you know, pushed into that program. There's a lot of shine getting pushed on that program. Well, we've said it a lot. We feel like all of our uh, sports moving to the Sunbelt conference, like it was a fresh start and it mm-hmm. just happened to coincide with getting a new athletic director that it was all fresh and it just seems like as a university, as an athletic department, we have a desire for all of these programs to elevate and we're putting back into them in facilities. Even, you know, the what went on with the floor, uh, the TerraFlex floor, but also the uh, Gullickson Hall renovations and all that, yeah. the locker rooms. I mean, everything just feels like we are investing in these programs and setting them up for success. Yeah. I agree. I agree. All right. Number four, uh, still heard related just a little bit uh, in the alumni news. Tavion Kinsey has joined the roster for Heard That. Hey, if you had that one on your bingo card, good on you, because I did not see that one coming, right? Uh, But also we've seen postings from Tavion. I had a workout with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he had one at Golden State. I was trying to use my context clues, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. But if he was making the West coast swing, maybe he, maybe he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one is wild, right? So now you're going to have the number one and number two all time leading scores for herd basketball playing for this herd, that team in uh, the TBT, along with some several other herd alums that have also been announced. And we talked about those a couple of episodes ago, but I did not see Tavion Kinsey, um, uh, throwing his name in the, in the ring for, for this. But talk about taking the excitement level to another level. Uh, this team is really fun to watch anyway. And when you add somebody like, uh, like Tavion Kinsey into the mix, man, they could be really become really fan favorites. They already were. But, man, what, what an excellent pickup for uh, the Brothers Elmore for the Herd That team. Man, what, what a coup that was. Now, there is a caveat to this. If he gets drafted, uh, you know, he's not going to be able to play in this. Of course. Uh, So this is not uh, him or anyone admitting that, oh, there's zero chance. He's just saying, if I'm able, I'm playing. Sure. If if contractually I'm not allowed to play, then, you know, I won't. But if I'm able to play, I'm going to. Yeah. And I I think that was a great commit. 
Heck yeah, it was, man. That's that's a great way to keep the herd that team in the forefront of the the basketball tournament fans' minds, yeah. and a great way to engage and re-engage herd fans for another season of the TBT. Yeah. Uh, having those two players on the court at the same time, it won't be unheard of. That happened uh, before. But, yeah, but uh, they will now be under a much different dynamic, mm-hmm. you know, than, than what it was before. And uh, them bringing in, you've got James Kelly, uh, you know, uh, West, Jared West. You've got uh, all these different people uh, that are playing that we talked about last week. This is going to be a dynamic team. <laughs> yeah, I man. mean, it's going to be, gonna all, be every everything's there for some high scoring, uh, exciting ball. Yeah, ball, just so. just like you remembered watching, you know, under uh, for the herd back in 2017, 2018, mm-hmm. You know that type of that type of run and gun type offense where there's threes getting thrown. I mean, you know how the Elmores play. You you know you you we all saw it and. If you've been following the tournament for the last couple of years, it's a kind of a lot of the same of, of those sort of deals, but a slightly different. You know, they have more of a dominating presence down low at times because you kind of have to have that. You know, these, these this tournament is like pretty cutthroat. You know, there's yeah. not much margin for error. But, man, this is going to be a fun one. They'll, they'll definitely have some eyes on their games, some butts in the seats, and phew, Congratulations to to I think all of her the herd universe is a winner in that announcement in particular. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Our fifth and final thing for this week, uh, slightly different than than normal. It's not a uh, bit of news, but this is something that all herd fans need to know. You need to join the Big Green. Mm-hmm. You need to join the 1837 NIL Honors Club for the Thunder Trust. You need to get your season tickets and you need to go all in. And it's just all of us doing our part. We don't just say it here. We've done it. We've done it as individuals and we've done it as uh, the Thundercast. Mm-hmm. But it is important right now. If you look and see, we're getting a baseball stadium being built. Uh, we we just talked about the renovations for Gullickson Hall and the Terraflex floor and all the different things that we are seeing invested in these programs. We need to do that as herd fans. So if you're listening, it's my Russ Living Good of the Thundercast appeal to you. Do your small part for as little as five bucks a month. You can join the Big Green. If every fan that we did gave five bucks a month, we'd be able to do so much more And this alma mater, this athletic department that we love so much would mm-hmm. just be taken to another level, probably five levels above where we're at right now. Yeah. We know how important of a role that the big green plays. You know, that's just, we, we get a lot of scholarship money through the big mm-hmm. green and the ultimate goal is to be able to fund fully fund scholarships for all yep. of our athletes. And that, that money just doesn't appear out of thin air, right? It, it takes the giving of uh, our fans to kind of make that machine push forward. And it doesn't matter, you know, how much you can donate. Like you said, five bucks a month is better than no bucks a month. Right. right. And, you, and we've heard Coach Huff talk about it. If you can give two bucks, give two bucks. If yeah. you can give two dollars one time, please give that two dollars one time. Right. Because it all helps push us a little bit forward. And I'm not the guy who's going to get on here and tell you you're a bad fan because you don't donate. I mean, it's your prerogative. I'm just, I'm just asking that if you can, please do. 
Yeah. Right. I, I don't think you're any less of a fan because you don't donate to the big green or you don't buy season tickets. It just might not be in your wheelhouse. I get it. But at the same time, it's so immensely important that we do these things because we have to make this work and it falls on us. There's a lot of money that comes in from the state and things like that. But if we want over and beyond, that money's got to come from somewhere. Right. And by and large, it's going to come from fans like us. You know, the, mm -hmm. the, the regular guy that that can't give a million dollars a year. Right. I, I'm I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. I'm never going to be that guy. I am never going to be the guy that can write that twenty five thousand dollar check whenever they need it. And I'm OK with that because there are a lot more fans like me than there are like that that can do that. We need those people, too. But mm -hmm. we need all the people like me that can give you five dollars a month, ten bucks a month, you know, $500 a year, like whatever it is you can give, there's a lot more of us than there are of, of folks like that. So if we band together and we can make our donations heard in numbers, it makes a difference, a big impact, a huge impact. And as far as the Thunder Trust goes, yeah, we'd love to get you aboard the uh, NIL Honors Club too for $18.37 a month. But if you can only make a one-time donation, make a one-time donation, right? Because it's it all helps. I understand that you might not want to be a season ticket holder because you can't make it to all the games. I get it. Okay. Um, but there are certain things that come along with being a season ticket holder. You build priority points so that when there's a marquee away game, you want to try to go to, well, that's how you kind of get access to those tickets at times, especially think about Ohio state. That's going to be an extremely limited number of tickets, right? And mm -hmm. having some priority points is going to help you get some of those tickets. That's just, that's just the short and sweet of it. And you mentioned some of these investments in facilities and other places. Dude, we don't have to look any farther than what's going on at the Joan right now. I mean, that's mm -hmm. a huge investment in the fan yeah. experience in football. So our administration is trying to uh, change the way we do things now to make it more user-friendly, to make you want to feel good about spending your money going to a game, making your experience better. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. If we want championship results, it's going to take championship donations. It's going to take championship fan involvement. It's going to take championship everything. And I'm okay with that because I do what I can. And I and I, I am cool with the levels that I can participate. There are people that can give far more than I can. And I'm okay with that too. So we just need everybody. Join the Big Green. The links are in our description to all of our shows. Join the Thunder Trust. It, it's in the links of the description to all of our shows. They make it really easy to buy tickets and go all in. I mean, you support a second program for a mere 25 bucks on top of your season ticket donation. So these are the things that we need every herd fan in the in the habit of doing, right? Just click the button, make it a herd forever pledge, and you never have to think about renewing. It's just always there, right? That's a great thing to add. We haven't done that in a while, and we needed to do that. One of the reasons that I want to do it is uh, I hear people so often that will hear for the first time that, oh, you can join for only five bucks a month. And then we explain that you get so much of that back due to our uh, retailers out here that uh, have partnered with the Big Green to say, hey, for anyone that is in the Big Green, here's what the herd perks, here's what I'll do. I'll do 10% off anything at my establishment. I'll do 15% off anything at my establishment. You go do that at some of these places. If you're already going and buying your sports wear, your athletic wear, you're already going to eat at one of these uh, places. You're already getting an oil change or brand new tires at one of these locations. You're getting jewelry at one of these locations. 
you have a, a son or daughter going to the prom and you go to the formal wear shop, any of these places that are listed, which by the way, they're trying to add dozens and dozens more to make this such a better value. You're going to get your money back and then some. Mm-hmm. And then the 1837 NIL Honors Club, we're talking about, I wish we could attract more players. I wish we could keep our players. Well, this is an opportunity to do that while also getting some killer content about these sports that we follow, you mm-hmm. know, the, the exclusive content that they're starting to pump out and then buying season tickets. I've seen people uh, have gotten tickets before or, or put on social media. Hey, does uh, anybody know where I can get tickets? Uh, you know, I really want to go to this game. It's like, yeah, man, you just call herd 1-800-THE-HERD or go to herdzone.com. Yeah. And they don't realize that you can get them that cheap but it's so much cheaper to get it uh as a um season ticket holder than to pay for the individual games they've made Mm -hmm. it cheaper on we talked about the family pack where uh i explained to someone that it's 99 dollars per person for at least four people so four people go that's 396 dollars 99 dollars for the season for six games, $16 and 50 cents per <laughs> game. And each game is going to be at least $25. If yeah. you go. So that right there, instead of doing the walk up and going to each individual game would save you enough money to do the big green for free and get all those perks back from these businesses that you may already be spending your money. So we're trying to save you potentially money that you're already spending and reallocate that money where it still goes more back into your pocket, but also goes to these athletic teams that you love. Yeah. That's all, that's all we want to do. And if you still think, well, I'm not going to go to all the games. Okay. So you're buying your tickets for 1650. You don't go to a couple games. You sell them for less than, you know, 20, 20 bucks to a friend or whatever. I don't, I mean, you know, it, the math is math in here. It, it yeah. helps. And don't it buy them through StubHub because buy them directly through Herd Zone or 1 800 yeah. the Herd, right? Because you're cut the fees out. The games are cheaper to go to. And that money's going straight to Marshall, right? Straight yeah. to the athletic department. That's right. But anyway, we, I know it's, it's this, it's wild to me that we're in 2023 and there, and there's still a fan like education you know, learning curve going on to how easy it is to get tickets, how easy it is to join the big green, how easy it is to get involved with the Thunder Trust and, you know, just up your fan game a little bit again. Yeah. You know, if you're happy with the way you are as a fan, that's cool, man. I'm not here to judge that. I'm just yeah. here to help try to push as many people uh, into these programs to push martial athletics as a whole forward. That's it. And we may be quote unquote preaching to the choir that the people listening sure. to this may already be, uh, having the knowledge of uh, what it takes to join the big green, that's only five bucks and they can get more than that back. They may already know that if they buy season tickets, it would be cheaper in the long run and all that jazz. But what we would like for you to do is help us spread the word to all those fans that don't know that talk to your friends, ask them if they're getting season tickets this year, ask them if they're a big green member, if they have any questions whatsoever and you don't feel like talking to them about it, send them to us. Yeah. Have them DM us. Have them message us. Uh, we are not hard to find. We will gladly try to talk to them about how they can help Marshall University's athletic department. 
That's right, man. It's a no pressure situation. We just want to give you the facts. And we know this is a time of year where more folks are finding the Thundercast because they're looking for football content. And now that we're getting into the breakdown series, we're going to have find new new viewers are going to find us. New listeners are going to find us. And they need to hear this kind of information because there are going to be a lot of first time listeners and viewers that that are coming on board or just discover we still it doesn't even matter if it's football season there's new people discovering the thundercast every single week we know that so that's i'm gonna get off my high horse now about that um do you want to continue what we did last week and go through uh around the herd and then close out with the uh, breakdown i would like to do that let's, let's just do go that. right in take it around the herd and i'm going to start off with tennis they are ranked eighth in the ita regionals Strom and Vander Hayden are ranked ninth in doubles for the ITA regionals. Strom was 17th in singles for the ITA regionals. And the entire team got honorable mention in community service. I mean, we <laughs> shocked at all? No, not really. You know, we, we, we talked quite a bit about Thunder having a great season. Of course, I'm talking about Johanna Strom. Um, and she and uh, Vander Hayden were great in doubles. All year long. So this is not shocking to me. Uh, and we've been high on this herd tennis program and, and what they might potentially look like all the way back when, you know, Johanna was recruited and some of these other players were recruited. So this is not surprising to me, but man, I love seeing numbers like that. You know, top 10 here, top 20 here. I mean, the tra the, the the trajectory for herd tennis just is just you know, the stock is rising. Yeah. And we're gonna, we're probably going to end up with more recruiting news. It's just inevitable. I, I don't think there's a team that ever goes a complete season and doesn't recruit someone. So uh, I would say more to come, but man, what a great way to start out around the herd. Yeah. And um, I really like that. I know you're going to work in the word differentiator, but that community service thing, uh, that's just great to see as a, a team. Um the eighth overall in the ITA regionals, uh, that is also really good to see. I don't know. I know it's the central. I just don't know every single team that's in there. Uh, but I would like to see how many teams that they ended up eighth overall and how many different regions there are. I can't imagine that there's – I don't know. I wouldn't imagine there's ten different regions uh, yeah. So you got to see that that would put them at least probably around a top 50 team now and mm -hmm. uh, building off what they did last year. It just seems like we just talked about volleyball getting ready to go into this next echelon. It seems like with what tennis was able to do in the first year in the Sun Belt in a very good competitive league, uh, it seems like they're going onward and upward as well. Well, when you let's just put this this uh, eight individual ranking for Johanna Strom in a little bit of perspective. So no matter what region we're in, we're in the same region undoubtedly with James Madison and Old Dominion because those sure. are by and large yeah. by, by conference. And those two teams finished atop the Sunbelt standings and, and Old Dominion was like a top, top team, right? They went undefeated in conference play. So we know that, let's just say, for example, their top seeds, a couple of them potentially, probably their top two from each school, are going to be ranked pretty high. And that's not even taking into account the remainder of the schools that are in this region. So when you look at that and go eighth, that's pretty legit. It is pretty legit. It's much like when we talked about softball being, you know, on all region teams with 
up against teams like Oklahoma and Baylor and the Big 12 teams and Texas and stuff like that. So this is impressive, man. It's just it's just flat impressive, right? I'm not going to pretend to be a Texas or a Texas, a, a tennis like pro. I don't know all the rankings and stuff, but I know enough to know that some of these other teams that are going to be in our region finishing eighth or being ranked eighth is a big deal. It's a that's a pretty big deal. All right. So I looked it up and I was wrong. There oh, are there are twelve regions. Yeah, still, still, it's not it's not nearly you know. I mean, if there were twenty five regions or whatever, but that definitely tells you you're in the, the top one hundred. You're in the top ninety six. Sure, know, but um, that is really really good to see. Uh, trying to get down to the central where we're at, just real quick. Uh. I just wanted to see who was ahead of us. And Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Nebraska, Tulsa, Drake, Arkansas, Wichita, Creighton, Nebraska, Omaha, North Dakota. Uh, just looking at all the different teams that are in that league, I can't I can't really see. And I'm, maybe I even have our division wrong. I thought that it was central. But, um <laughs> It's quite our maybe that's something we can work on. We can put some context to that at a later time, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to keep uh taking this up, but it, it just you know, when you're eighth in your region and you know, there's so many teams, I know there's a few hundred different teams that's that's in this, that's pretty daggone impressive. And I feel like we have just started to scratch the surface, was what I was going for. All right, so the next uh thing is over at baseball uh, we picked up a commit austin winky from uh whitefish bay uh he's a first baseman and he committed to marshall this week yeah i i, I guess i missed that or or maybe i just retweeted it really quickly and and uh, didn't recall it but th- when i saw that uh from you today i was like oh really so i must have just maybe either didn't see it or saw it quickly but i didn't recall that but um we know that uh, Greg Beals and this staff is is they're recruiting hard, and yeah. um, in the conversations that that I had with him, um, he was he was so enthralled about what this new stadium project is going to allow him to do from a managing standpoint, uh, and uh, and to build his pro that he just simply was not able to do, and some of the things that we don't even think about he mentioned, you know, you, you think, well, you can still coach, you can still practice. Yeah. Yeah. You can, but it was, uh, it, it was some things that, that, you know, normal fans like us aren't going to think about because we don't run programs, you know? So this, this off season for me and what bills is doing, um, is going to, is going to tell us so much more about who he is as a coach than what we saw this past season. Right, because he was thrust into the position first of all, and mm-hmm. then he had to get to know his players like on a super short turnaround, and then bam, the season started. And you know, they, we talked about it. It was rough. I mean, it was rough. We're not going to lie. He'll admit. He'll tell you it was rough. But now I think we're getting to get to see a closer to what a full complement uh, of of uh, of a skill set that we have in Coach. Greg Beals, and I think more herd fans are going to be um, pleased with with the outcome 
after this full off season. But I guess in the short, in the short and sweet of it, I guess the best thing to say right now is welcome to the herd, Austin Winky. Yeah, and here's a little bit uh, more on him. He is uh, again from Whitefish Bay High School in Wisconsin. Also uh, with the travel team, the Midwest Halos. Six foot two, 175 pounds. Uh, bats left, throws right, first base outfielder. They have him as a first baseman, but he can also play the corner outfield positions. Um, bat speed is 70.8 miles per hour. They have him as the max exit velocity right now, 94.5 miles an hour, and the average exit velocity of 89.3 miles per hour. Uh, these are important to know that that's high school stats. That's also if those are accurately timed and uh, sure. done, but you are going to see a natural progression in power as you age from that 17 to 18 year old. And that's across just about every baseball level that you're going to see your, your power is going to increase. Sometimes that's even six, seven years after high school when you're out of college before that mm -hmm. happens. Um, but getting into not only maturing physically, but getting into a college program where they're going to be focusing on more of that seems like he has some untapped power potential. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think you're going to see a lot, right? You come out of high school, nobody's peaked from right. a, especially a ba in any athlete, right? Cause you're still a growing kid <laughs> and you still got a lot of development ahead of you. And you're right. When you get to get surrounded by people who's, sole career path is to tap into those parts of your game and bring out the best that they can get out of them. You're going to see a lot. You're going to see a, a natural progression, like you're saying. So um, this class is really coming together and there, and it's not just like, I don't know. It's not, it doesn't seem like it's one type of player. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I know that makes sense to you. It doesn't seem like, you know, we're just, or, well, we're going after soul power hitters or we're going right. after, you know, you know, we're, we're just going to steal bases all the time. That's how we're, it, it really looks like we're trying to put together a really well-rounded team that you can't just take away one weapon or one aspect of the game and then beat Marshall. Right. So yeah. it, we, we know it's going to be a multi-year process. We know yeah. that we know you gotta, that. gotta build a roster. I mean, yeah. you get here and you've got, I wanted to say there was eight that just graduated. Seven players and and Jack, right? The, the yeah. team per, uh, photographer. Yeah. So so, um, so replacing that many people, you know, there's going to be some natural turnover anyway. But yeah, um, you know, first year coach and all that. It's it's going to take some time, but he is building his roster. Yeah. Uh, also in baseball, uh, pitcher Ray Pacella uh, was signed by the Washington Wild Things. So always good to see. People get to go on and play professionally, uh, no matter what that level is. Yep. I, I, I don't know if you caught this, but when that came across, I tweeted something. I mean, it might have just been like a Beavis and Butthead gif or gif or whatever you like to call it. Uh, well, I call they, it the correct thing. You don't. <laughs> and they replied. So I thought, well, this is obviously a pretty fun PR team that they have there at, yeah. uh, at the wild things and how you're not going to not like a name like the wild things, because yeah. if you're a fan of baseball, then you're a fan of major league and you're a fan of Rick wild thing Vaughn, Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, heading over to men's soccer, you know how we had that, what we thought was an exceptionally large class. And then yeah. week we said, Hey, they signed someone. Well, they signed someone else. <laughs> uh, we've got, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this name is Ray instead of Rye. R A I Pinto. 
and uh, just signed this week, men's soccer. Where are you putting all these guys? <laughs> like the team bus is going to be overloaded. Like we're going to have people sleeping in the in the baggage area, I think, because just when we thought we were done. But wait, there's more. Uh, this class is getting an exceptionally big, you know, yeah. and and cool because that, that all that means to me is the competition level is stepped up again and again, and these guys are going to fight it out for each other for playing time and minutes, uh, and uh, and uh, ultimately that's going to put a better product on the field for the herd. Like Grassy and this staff, they are not fooling around. They want to yeah. win the Sun Belt. They want to uh, get to the get back into the NCAA's and go deeper deeper than they did last year, man. And and uh, I know you're here for it. I'm here for it. I think all of the herd universe is here for it. You know, they, even if you don't know squat about soccer, which I don't, and I don't, I still want to see that high performing Kelly green and white Jersey. Right. I love that. And I think we all love that. So bring them all on, man, bring them all on and may the, you know, the strongest survive for the herd. And we haven't talked about it a lot on the show, but they are currently down in Brazil. They went there over the weekend mm -hmm. uh, and uh, down there for that uh, soccer tournament and other stuff that they're doing down there. Uh, but just what a program that Grassy has here right now. Uh, and it, yes, I am. I'm here for it. Yeah. I enjoy I enjoy going. Uh, it's well documented that Gilbert did not have soccer growing up. Uh, closest thing we had was kickball. Uh, we were, we were damn good at it, but it was recess, you know, so, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, it, it's enjoyable for me to watch. And for several, several years now, I've been catching as many games on ESPN plus as I can mm -hmm. and when I can taking the kids or going by myself, uh, to the vet and watching, uh, watching it live. Yeah. That's something I still have yet to be able to do. I've still never been able to see, heard soccer live and I would like to do that, you know, because it's, I'm sure it's um, a, a unique environment because it's not a football game. It's not a basketball game, right? It's something different. And I'm, I'm always down for something different, uh, a, a different viewing experience to watch the herd. I'd love to do that. If they would ever come down here and, and play USF or, you know, one of the schools that are relatively close to me, UCF, maybe, you know, I would really make an effort to get there. And maybe one that sometime I'll be able to make a trip back to Huntington and I'll be able to double dip a football and a soccer match like we've, you know, like our fans locally will be able to do this year. But um, I think this trip down to South America is a big deal because it gets some international exposure like on the home turf of some of these players that we may mm -hmm. end up trying to recruit. Like they right. don't have to come and see us, they, you know, in Huntington. We're basically coming to them. Yeah. And they'll have an opportunity to make a much easier trip to get eyes on uh, Chris Grassy and the herd. So that this is just cool all the way around. I know this was a big deal for the soccer program, and and they were fundraising in big time for it. And uh, hopefully, this all is a is a huge investment that will pay massive dividends for an, for years to come, right? Because you know these soccer phenoms start separating themselves at very early ages, right? Mm -hmm. So hopefully this is a big investment for a long-term and short-term gain for this herd pro program. That would be really awesome. Going uh, over to the last thing that I have here is for men's basketball. You know, we had talked about how we were at max scholarships, but we had heard uh, that there was one more player coming. Just how could they work it out? 
and we have that player and it is forward post player Pete Moe. Uh, and he is coming here as a preferred walk-on. Cool. Uh, I'd seen that name thrown around. Of course I hadn't seen any like official commitment tweet or anything like that. And if it's out there, I just didn't see it. Right. I don't see everything. Uh, so as such, I don't really have any background or any stats for you. So if you have those, uh, it's cool. But if you don't, you don't have to go dig them for them. But we no. know that we did. We had heard rumors of one more player uh, going to be added to the roster. And I suppose that Pete Moe is that player. So now, and for all intents and purposes, this herd roster is complete unless there is a, another shakeup down the line. He's a six foot nine power forward, but he uh, also has a good perimeter game, uh, active on the boards, uh, should be uh, decent down low already in year one uh, on defense. Uh, his dad was also Pete Moe, uh, played, I think that he made the league, uh, but uh, a lot of old fans will recognize that name. Uh, and he wanted to come here. And it looks like uh, he's going to at least pay for his first season here. And they're going to see about getting him on scholarship when they can. I did. I tell you what, though, I did see a flurry of offers that went out this past week. Uh And some were to um, familiar names. Right. I think that's Brady Connor. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. And uh, a a local kid, not local, like in-state kid. Yeah. um, Beckley. Beckley player from uh, that'll be in the class of 2025. Uh, big tall kid, six foot seven. So um, expect them to grow. I mean, th- think about uh, Tamar Slay and how famously he grew from the time he got, was in high school and came to uh, to Marshall. So uh, there's some several younger players that Marshall's uh, making some waves in. So I saw four offers go out, or or I guess it was three, and then uh, the addition of Pete Moe. So. Uh, don't don't think that Dan is just sitting chi- sitting back chilling right now. They're they're doing some work in this uh, in the twenty twenty five class and a little bit in the twenty twenty four class. So hey, we ain't we ain't taking it easy right now. But it's it's good to know that this roster is is fully complete, so we can we can start to take notice on what it's going to look like, who's going to jive how, and all that good stuff. So um, we know it's going to be a big difference from last year. It just is. It's going to be a big difference from last year. But now we can focus on you know, who the movers and shakers are going to be for herd men's basketball. You got anything else for around the herd? Uh, one final thing about basketball is that the Cayman Islands classic, we have not talked a lot about that. Uh, there was uh, some rumors over a month ago that some of the teams that had been announced were going to back out officially this week. They have backed out and that's wake forest and Ole Miss. So, Nothing that was, that, that was two big teams that we needed that, in that. That was the two big draws. Uh, you've still got Utah State, Georgetown, yeah, some other. Are, that's not what you it's need. not. It's not the same. So the only reason I wanted to bring it up is it's not like that. This administration is not trying to get right. these. You know, we're, we went after this. This was a big time, uh, high uh, visibility tournament that we were going to play in this was out of our control that these teams backed out of it yeah and uh now Ole Miss is hosting I think both of them are at their respective campuses uh multi-team events just at home but uh nothing we could do about it so we're trying 
when we look at this strength of schedule, what can we do? Hey, let's play these two teams. That's a way that we can play them and uh, would have done really well. And now that's going to go down a little bit. I think there's still one spot uh, out of the eight that they have yet to name. So hopefully it will be somebody higher than us that will go into the tournament, but nothing we can do it's out of our well, hands. Well, I guess, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to put rumors out there, but you know, if they get an eighth team and it's just like, okay, this defeats the entire purpose. I, I mean, I'm assuming Marshall could pull out of this thing too. And, and maybe end up at say like the Wake Forest multi-team event. You know what I mean? Like I'm not mm-hmm. saying that they will or they won't, but the whole goal of this was to get some of those, I guess you call them quad one teams on yeah. the schedule because you, you know, we we had heard in other conversations that like even losses to those type teams matter more than wins over lower teams, which is asinine to me. But if that's right. the way the system wants to work, then you have to play the game. So I don't know. I guess we'll. Another another wait and see moment. We'll see. Yep. But that's it for around the herd. Okay. Well, let's continue this series of the breakdown series. And we're gonna we're gonna actually move into a unit this week. And last week it was the coaching staff. Of course, that episode is up on the YouTube channel and on Spotify. If you want to go back and start from the very beginning, you certainly can and get a breakdown from the 2023 coaching staff and all that has changed. But this week we're talking about the special teams unit, right? Uh, we mentioned Coach Jonathan Gallant last week. He's in the second season the special teams coordinator for the Herd. I'm going to toss out some uh, some stats for you and some rankings from last season, Russ, and that, that should give us some talking points moving forward with this discussion. Okay. I've got four data points for you. Kick return average, punt return average, kick defense, and punt return defense, and how the Herd – uh, ranked nationally in those four categories. Kick return average. Marshall averaged 19.3 yards per, per kick return on only 20 kick returns all last season. That was good for number 81 out of 131 FBS teams last year. Uh, punt return average, just 6.36 yards per punt return on average across 22 punt returns last season good for 87th out of 131 last season then the two defensive stats kick return defense marshall allowed an average of 20.53 yards on 17 returned kicks last season good for 72 out of 131 last year punt return defense was really the best of the four but still we allowed just 5.93 yards on 15 returned punts in 2022. That was tied for 45th out of 131 teams. So these numbers, these rankings, I'm not digging that, right? Because we talk about this field position game that Marshall relies on so heavily. That's not really doing anything to help that, to swing that tremendously in your favor. Now, I guess it's also not doing anything to – tremendously hurt you but if you want to play the field position game and the type of offense that we like to run you want to be playing on a short field right Mm -hmm. um so just some numbers we didn't talk about that last year so right just some context for how we did last year uh current specialist oh okay go ahead i I was just going to ask do you have uh the punt average and uh field goal kicking uh, average where what rankings we are on there it, there wasn't a national category for that okay. these were the only four categories that you could look up team wise 
Gotcha. Uh, statistics, statistically, everything else is just an individual, you know. Sure. And yeah. I have our individual stats from our individual players, but there's so many players that kicked, you know, one extra point or whatever right. it is. You know, you you wouldn't really have a good idea. It wouldn't really tell you much. Um, but specialists currently on the roster, and we do know this will change because the of what we've seen in recruiting and transfer mm-hmm. portal. I don't know necessarily why the roster currently doesn't reflect. It, but currently, today, on the roster, we're showing five specialists. This is a combination of kickers, punters, and long snappers. Um, two kickers, one punter, and two long snappers, right? Uh, some folks might have to do double dip, like we saw Reese Verhoff um, have some punts last year. So McConnell's the only one listed as a punter, but we did see uh, Reese Verhoff. I think he punted maybe eight or nine times last season. Uh, portal, portal news, portal in. Cameron Lake, the kicker slash punter uh, from, I think it was Washburn College, the, the D2 school. And then punter uh, Colby Morgan that comes over from the University of Tennessee. And then long, long snapper uh, Dominic Kanopka from Bowling Green. Portal out, two players listed on the portal out. Kenyon Boyer, a kicker, and then uh, Hunter Burns, a long snapper. So not a terrible amount of turnover there, but some. Incoming freshman, one listed, uh, Marco Peary, a kicker slash punter from Norfolk, Virginia, that we've talked about before. Five foot nine, 175 pounds, rated the number five kicker and the number seven punter in the 2023 class by national kicking rankings. All right. Um, let's talk about some projected starters here. Uh, projected starter, place kicker. I don't know who the kickoff specialist is going to be. You know, I, I don't really remember who it was last year. If it was uh, Verhoff or, or McConnell or somebody else, I really don't remember. Uh, but projected starters, let's say that Reese Verhoff is going to be the projected starter at place kicker. He was last year. Uh, he was 13 of 20 on field goals last year with a long of 40, 33 of 35 on extra points last year. Uh, nine punts, it was nine punts for a 41-yard average. Kicking, though, uh, twelve under 40, he was – Pretty good. 12 of 14 or 12 of 15 kicks under 40 yards, just one of five at 40 plus yard kicks. And that one, of course, was a 40 yarder. Um, punter, we're going to go ahead and pencil in John McConnell again as your projected starter because, well, hell, he was last year. 69 total punts last year for a 38.9 yard average. Kicked along of, along with 64 yards and he put 26 kicks inside the 20 we talk about that a lot that has a great amount to do with field position you know if you're inside your own 20 it's hard to put it inside the 20 of the other team but that's still a key stat that you look at because a lot of times you're teetering around midfield to where it's a possibility and i'm gonna this is just me you can have i'll get your projected starters also but this is just me i'm gonna pencil in long snapper projected starter to be Dominic Kanopka, because I just don't think you go into the portal and get a guy if he's probably not going to be your guy, right? Yeah. But um, we had a long snapper on on the roster already. It's just a matter of who performs better, but I'm penciling in Kanopka. Who are you going to pencil in, you think, as those starters? I think there's going to be an open competition uh, for uh, both kickoff specialists for sure. And uh, for um, field goals, uh, place kicker, whatever you want to call it. Um, Verhoff did not do bad. He 
he came through really clutch a lot, uh, but you can't have, and I know he's a freshman, but you cannot have one for five from 40 and on. Mm-hmm. Basically 41 and on over four. Uh, you, you just can't have that. You've got to have that ability. Uh, there were also some blocks. I cannot remember how many of the blocks were in that 40 plus, uh, but it seems like maybe it was uh, trying to have a lower trajectory to have a longer distance uh, led to a, a block or two. But uh, I am interested to see what Marco Piri can do. But I'm also without that transition to the college game. It doesn't really matter what you're doing in a high school level as kicker. I think I've seen enough of that when it goes up. It's just a totally different ball game mm-hmm. for for kicker. Um, we need to have this. Was one of my if I had to say top three things that we need to have is a reliable, dangerous, accurate kicker from. 45 on in we need to have that it can change the game um we also you talked about uh 70 something ranking for uh kickoffs uh for uh kickoff defense yeah so if we are putting there were 17 of those returns if uh we are putting half of those into the end zone that can't be returned. We're only giving up eight or nine. That's less than one a game. We have to have that kickoff specialist that can just put it in the stands, put it out of the end zone. Yeah. Uh, we, we had a couple of uh, miscues last year on kickoffs uh, where it was uh, out at the two, out at the one. They put them on the 35. Yeah, that's a killer. That is. That's that's going to also change that uh, kickoff uh return average start uh location field position so i really want to have somebody i don't care if that's their entire job is to just tee it up and kick off and put it uh through the uprights and get it to where we don't have to worry about anybody starting or taking one to the house Mm -hmm. on us uh taking it over to the 50 near midfield i just want somebody that can hammer that football and say hey you're going to start at the 20 you know well it's 25 now 25 yeah but uh so the other thing on long snapper there is zero chance unless there's an injury or just somebody just comes in and outperforms like you said you're not going to waste bringing in somebody from the transfer portal to have them go sit the bench uh in in a long snapper role in dominant kanopka so i uh I don't know. If I had to guess right now, I would say Verhoff keeping his place kicking duties until someone uh, takes over and does better. Um, McConnell, I think, has a lock. I think what we saw a lot last year was uh, in different punting situations, depending on which side of the field we're on, that they would use either Verhoff or uh, McConnell. And if we needed to get it inside the 20, it was McConnell that we were going for. If we needed a longer punt, we were on the other end of the end zone, they were going Rehoff or uh, Verhoff. Um, and then Kanopka. So that's that's the ones I'm going with right now. See, I wonder if there's if we're looking at a position makeup to where Verhoff's your guy 
under 40. And if you got a 40-plus yard kick, maybe you trot out, let's just say, Colby Morgan. Like, I don't know. I'm just saying. Or maybe you tried sure. out Cameron Lake. And he's your yeah. long-distance specialist. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying we might be looking at that scenario, right? Because mm -hmm. 12 of 15, while not perfect, that's pretty legitimate when you come into uh, under 40-yard kicks. And you're right. Some blocks are in that. That counts. I mean, it counts. Right. It's still an attempt. Yeah. So some of those might not just be straight-up misses. You know, some right. of those might be a block or two. You're right. We don't know every single one that happened from which distance. Um, but that might be something that, that we explore. And if that's what works, then great. And kickoff specialist, it, it's, that's just flat. Who can keep it in bounds and kick it the longest. Right. So yeah. if you're that guy, that's your job. I, I dig yeah. that. So I like the breakdown. Um, I like the potential here and you know, this was McConnell's first year. Last year was his first year as our punter, right? He took over from Robert Lefevre from the year before. So, um, he was highly recruited coming out of Morgantown high school. So, Another year in, and he had to deal with the coaching change a little bit. So I don't care, you know what you you would think. Well, that that probably doesn't affect what he does. Well, maybe it does. You know, I was never a college punter. I was never a college kicker or player or whatever. So we don't know how this what all goes into it, right? But this is year two, so I have to see that average. That average to me, I don't know what it is. It always has to be forty or above. I don't want to see my punting average from my punter be under 40 right i, I want to see a four being that first number yeah and it, you might think well that's just that's not it's 1.1 yards and you're right and 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 sometimes you're kicking into the wind and it kills you know you're sometimes you shank it and blah 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 so that that's not always accurate there's so much that goes into it but still we've seen so many successful punters at marshall have a 40 plus yard average Long snapper for the herd has just been historically strong for a long time, well over a decade. It was historically strong. We were a first team, second team, all conference long snapper for a decade. And that's one of those things people don't think about, right? Because if it goes right, you're like, great, that's what it's supposed to look like. But again, if it goes wrong, excuse me, if it goes wrong, you're like, gee, what are we doing out there? So it's a it's it's one of those positions that is just gets I don't know, magnified when it doesn't look smooth. Yeah. So is it worth spending a portal scholarship on a long sniper? You damn right it is. Yeah. <laughs> you damn right it is. That that is the one thing on the field. I mean, some fans expect perfection out of every single position, but that is the one almost universal uh of that is the most specialized thing is to Put that ball exactly in that spot at all times, you know, for every field goal, every extra point, every punt, uh, to have that snap go back there perfect. And um, that is the only time that you recognize those guys is when it is off. Yeah. I know, and that's so unfair, right? Yeah, it is. So, but but, but I'm, I think that's – you go get one, he's going to be your guy, right? He's obviously going to be – you would think. Uh, let's mention a couple other guys that are on the roster as specialists. I mentioned we had two kickers and two long snappers. Kicker Sean Meisler returns. He did go 4-4 four four on extra points last year in 2022, but that was his only uh, part in the stat line. And then long snapper uh, Matthew Bossett did not have any stats last year. came in as a freshman from Ormond Beach, Florida, not too far from – Daytona Beach for you folks in the uh, geographic game. So now let's talk about some fun stuff because this is like straight up speculation. And I know you love that word. And we get to talk about punt returners and kick returners. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Um, I'm going to tell you who departed and who's returning based on stats from last year. Doesn't mean there won't be new people entering the mix in those positions uh, or, or vying for some of those opportunities. But we'll talk about who did it last year and is no longer here. So let's start with punt returners departing from the team that uh, had some punt returns last year. Stephen Gilmore returned nine punts last year for a 6.3-yard average, and Andre Sam even returned a couple of punts for an eight-yard average. Returning two guys uh, also, Talit Keaton returns. He returned 16 punts before being being injured for a 6.6-yard average with a long of 19 yards, and Caleb McMillan, uh, fielded one punt, tried to return one punt for zero net yards. Kick return team. Um, then we'll do projected starters. Kick return team, none departed. So how about that? Nobody departed that had a, a statistical kick kick return last year from the 2022 season. Returning, Jaden Harrison returns, 15 returned kicks for a 19.9-yard average. Talit Keaton returns. He returned two kicks for a 21.5-yard average. Caleb McMillan returns. He returned two kicks for an 11-yard average. And Ethan Payne returns. He returned one kick for a 23-yard average. So let's talk about some projected starters here, Russ. Uh, When you think about punt returner, who do you think are your guys leading in? Who do you think might be those guys? And I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler. A lot of the same guys on kick return and punt return for me. Mason Pierce. Okay. I think that uh, we did not bring him here just for the return game, but if you see his highlights, how he accelerates, and I'm telling you, you can be fast, but returning kicks is an art form, and I think that he's got it. It's uh, that vision up the field, uh, waiting on that block, waiting on your wedge, waiting on uh, those holes to open, and then just accelerating and taking it to the house, and he has it. And if, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go look up this highlight tape. Mason Pierce at McNeese State. Uh, he's all over YouTube. He's all over uh, Twitter. You can see all kinds of videos. He doesn't just take them to the house, but there are times that you just wonder how this guy gets from point A to point B as quickly as he can. Yeah. What's, what's the, what's the cliche? Like you can't tackle him in a phone booth or something like that. And that's when you think about guys like that, that are, that have the, first of all, they have the vision and anticipation of where a hole is going to form. Right. right? And then you have to have the speed and the elusiveness and the quickness to get there and the ability to change, change the direction to make those uh, take advantage of that vision and anticipation. You're right. This is a guy that really looks like he could be the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, this is Talit Keaton's spot until he gets supplanted, or like I mentioned earlier, if he chooses to play out his final year of eligibility only as a receiver, because he really, you know, and why take the uh, the chances with extra contact? Like this is my last go around. I want to make it. I want to make it count. I get it. I get it. But uh, he's provided so many electric moments for us over the years. I think he's got to be the favorite to be the punt returner if he wants it. Uh, and I'm going to throw in a guy like um, Jaden Harrison just because he's fast as hell. He hasn't really – even last year when Talit got injured, he didn't return punts. So he that might not be his game. That might not be in his wheelhouse. 
but I've also had Mason Pierce as my number three, as my top three guys to look out for for your week one punt return starter. But you're right, it's an all Southland performer. You don't go get a guy like that who can make plays for you in the receiver game and the special teams game and not utilize him in the special teams game. Right. Yeah. Most of his highlights and, you know, it's not that he was a bad wide receiver. I mean, he's got the stats, they've got the highlights showing, but most of his highlights that were so impressive, you have to have that concentration to one, field the ball cleanly Mm -hmm. with people barreling down at you and two, just that elusiveness and acceleration. And he has it. Well, the other thing you got to think about is, if I'm not mistaken, this guy's like 5'7 or 5'8. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. relatively shorter, shorter. Mm-hmm. So it's a completely different type of coverage, right? Because there's right. not a guy with you in your hip pocket that you have to try to out jump or out leap. And it might be a six foot corner or you got a 6'2 safety coming at you or something. So this is a totally different type of uh, uh, skill set, right? Because you just, your height at that point in the punt return game is completely irrelevant. Right, it's it's all based on quickness, elusiveness, and vision, and and um, I just I'm with you, man. I think this feels like his niche, like the primary reason he was brought here. I, we could be, I could be off, but it just feels like that's what it is. Who and is I'll your... tell you, well, uh, I'll tell you that for punt returner, I see him as the clear number one until some some reason for him not to be the number one because it's not mm-hmm. like you put two back there like you do for kickoff uh, right. returns. So I see him being brought in to transform that. Let's get our field position right by bringing in a, an electric uh, punt returner. Uh, so I have him there uh, by far. I just don't think that you put Keaton in there as good as Keaton is at doing that coming off of that knee injury. I don't care if you ask him, he may tell you he wants to be out there for every single play, every special teams and all that. But if you have someone that is already a specialist in that, and you've only got one uh, to put back there, I just don't risk Keaton uh, back there. Yeah. I I think I'm kind of with you, but based on his past performance and what he's done, it just feels like it's his job if he wants it. But I don't know that he I, – I, he may just want to focus on being a wide receiver, and I, I can't fault that. And, it, uh, and it, again, it may not be up to him. That's know? right. I mean, it might not, yeah. It's it's obviously probably not up to him. That's right. why you have a coach, but yeah. uh, still. Uh, who, who are you feeling out – who are you feeling to fill out some of those kick returns responsibilities? I, I definitely see Pierce back there in that again as mm-hmm. one half, at least of a rotating three that he would be in there uh, the majority of the time uh, only if he needs a breather or has uh, gotten, you know, banged up a little bit. Uh, I, I see him 75% of the time on the field for kickoff returns. I think that you do see Harrison there, uh, uh, but I could also see depending on what they are doing with, if they have like, here's our top four wide receivers and we don't want to have them doing double duty, that sort of thing. I could also see McMillan back there uh, for a large portion of that, or one of the uh, running backs that's uh, third or fourth on the depth chart. I feel like this is Jaden Harrison's wheelhouse. I do too. Because that's where he's been and that's what he's been fairly successful at over the past couple of years. Uh, we just saw a dip in production, you know, overall from a team standpoint. I mean, 81 out of 131 teams in kick return yardage and 87 in punt return yardage. That just doesn't scream 
awesome to me. You know, I mean, it's not terrible, but it's not like, man, you know, this needs to be one of those things that pushes this offense, you know, and uh, I, I do. I think it's going to be Harrison and Mason Pierce are your two primary guys back there at the same because who, who are you going to kick it to? Right. A lot of times they're like, well, we won't kick it to this guy. We'll kick it to the other return man and we'll make him beat us. Well, OK, well, if you have two of basically the same type of guy back there who's super shifty and really quick and, you know, can make all the moves and has great vision and anticipation, who are you going to kick it to? You're going to kick it short. You're going to squib it all the time. I mean, I think they tried to do that last year and it went to Ethan Payne and he returned it for 23 yards. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you want to do? I mean, I just I just feel like we've got. You know, this area I feel like it's a good problem, whereas we might be scratching our heads because we don't fully know what we have at wide receiver and how that position will go. I think right. the return game is different because there are some young guys and that that can make a name for themselves here. The transfers can make a name for themselves here. And, oh, by the way, Jaden Harrison has already made a name for himself in the kick return game. So this is different for me um, when it comes to – Kick return. And two years ago, we saw Rasheen Ali returning kicks, and I absolutely don't think we'll see that in 2023. No. So if you, if you think that may happen, I would put that one out of your mind. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be a risk we're willing to take in 2023. So uh, overall, how about some strengths? You know, we did this last year, three strengths, three weaknesses, or however many you can come up with. Um, and then I've got the big four questions for you, as always. So what do you got for some overall strengths for this particular unit? Do you want to go uh, one and one or me give three and you give sure. three? Sure. Yeah, that's fine. We can do, we can alternate. All right. So uh, number one, I, I feel like we have a strength is uh, limiting turnovers, ball control. Uh, I don't have the data in front of me for that, but it passes the eye test for me mm -hmm. that I cannot remember some egregious like, Hey, we fumbled a kickoff or a punt inside the five yard line and we gave it up to the uh, opposing team. Um, those are killers, you know, yeah. huge, huge swings, especially if you're coming off of having a touchdown scored on you and then you go back to kick it off and you fumble it inside the five and the opposing team gets it and they've got a short field. It's a might as well be a chip shot for a field goal, if not a 80% of the time a touchdown. So I feel like that's a huge strength for us to have some sure-handed people to limit those uh, big swings from untimely turnovers. I think my number one strength as far as the returners go, both both kick and punt, is the sheer game breakability of these guys, right? We didn't see it very much last year, but it, it, it's ever-present with these guys. We know that they can take punts and kicks to the house, and it doesn't mm -hmm. take much – uh, I think what we're going to need to see notch up is the 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 blocking on the kick return team, mm -hmm. or um, I don't know, just a couple of strokes of good luck when when uh, when you're returning punts because that yeah. that happens. You need the you need the punter to outkick the coverage a little bit so that you have an extra step or two to figure out where you want to go. It's just really hard to make something happen when punt coverage is right on top of you when you get the ball but the sheer game breakability of a lot of the guys that we just talked about their athleticism and speed and all of those attributes that we talked about just leaps out for me and i'm not saying marshall's going to return 10 kicks and punts for touchdowns this year but if they can add you know three four five yards onto those averages that they had last year and you can get into that eight nine yard average punt return that means you've had some long punt returns to push that average up that high 
if you can if you can notch that uh, kick return average so that your starting field position is above the 25 yard line, even if it's the 26, you're doing something positive to make a shorter field. Yeah, we always want to start around the 30 or the 35, but uh, you have to get into the realm of it being worth the risk to make a return rather than just call a fair catch inside the 25 and take the ball in the 25. So I know that rule has changed the game, but you know, we cannot be in the, in the, um, you know, in the eighties nationally in these categories anymore. Right. It just can't, it can't be that way. This, this has to push up easily into the top half of the, of the country. And that's going to take some pretty legitimate increases in averages to do that, but it won't be for lack of game breakability. What's your next strength? A uh, slight variation on that. And it's not the taking it to the house. It's that top speed that, uh, that we have for a variety of people on kickoff returns and punt returns um, that I feel like it is a true weapon that we have there. And yeah, it's splitting hairs from calling that break a breakaway ability versus speed. Uh, it's actually two separate things, just minor differences, but we have so many people capable of that top speed that we should be feared. Uh, like you were talking about, Hey, don't kick it to that guy. And I think that you're going to see that with Mason Pierce on there, that they're probably going to try to kick away from him. And anytime that you're putting in all that thought, it just, it, it opens it up uh, for the punter to shank it or the kick to be squibbed or something like that. And it ends up being, Hey, they should have just kicked it to him and rolled the dice anyway. So let me tell you where that top end speed really comes into play. And you can think back a couple of years ago, and this was a Rasheen Ali play against Appalachian State where they ran that fake yeah. reverse. Mm -hmm. But Ali really didn't have to make any moves. It was just straight line speed, yeah. right? And you're not going to do that every time because it's not going to work every right. time. And it and it even when you do run it, it doesn't work a lot. But when it does work, it looks like that. And mm -hmm. before anybody knows what the hell has happened cameraman couldn't get you <laughs> <laughs> your return man is 20 yards ahead of everybody yeah. and that's where top end speed comes into yeah he doesn't have to make any moves he's just flat yeah. gone and now yeah. you, there's nothing you can do and of course you want your guys to be as fast as they possibly can um but that quickness opens up that top end speed so once you make a move or two and you can really go good luck catching the guy i think that's an excellent point to make yes it's quite different from game breakability because yeah. game breakability often requires moves to be made and right. tackles to be eluded and all this kind of stuff before you can get into the speed my number two strength for this entire unit is was a weakness last year and it's experience at all the positions remember last year we were breaking in a new kicker we were going to be breaking yeah. in a new punter uh, right. i think i mean we had some familiar faces in the return game but as far as the specialists went they were brand new. The only thing that was kind of a holdover was long snapper uh, Zach Appio, and now he's gone. And you got a you got a little bit of newness there, but McConnell's in year two, Burhoff's in year two. They're no longer new. It's no longer their first year in collegiate ball. So having an experienced kicker, having an experienced punter, man, I don't think you can uh, just brush off the fact that that's really really important, especially early in the season when you're trying to build positive momentum and get out of the gate one and oh two and oh three and oh you don't want fresh guys out there thinking like man i hope i don't screw up 
I mean, I hope, you know, this is my first game action. These guys have been in the fire now. And we've got some big games early in the season. And this right here is one of those things that can play, could pay some big dividends because you've had a guy that's been in big kick situations. You've had a guy that's been in big punt situations. Let's talk about McConnell up in uh, South Bend last year. He had one of the worst punts he had all year long and was still able to overcome that. And Marshall was able to get the win. So right. I don't know that you're going to be in a bigger environment and have something go worse, right? He had a terrible punt in South Bend, Indiana. Yeah. And Marshall was able to, uh, to survive that, and it wasn't a big deal. So mm -hmm. I don't think even in even down in Raleigh, you know, that's not going to be a more intimidating environment than being yep. in South Bend, Indiana. So these guys have been in the fire, and now I doubt there's any moment on the on the season this year that's going to outweigh some of the moments they've already been in. They're 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 battle tested, right? They're tempered in fire. They're good to go. This is a huge huge um, strength for me for our kickers and punters. How about, what do you got for that last one? Number one for me uh, has nothing to do with what they have done, but the opportunity that they have presented to them. We have an amazing defense and I feel like a lot of times, you know, you're, they're punting from inside their own 20 and that gives you a very short field. It might not pop with your numbers or whatever, but you don't have that, hey, I've got to return this for 50 yards just to get us back to midfield yeah. type vibe. Uh, so the opportunities that they get, whether that has led to stats, I mean, we had the same opportunities last year and we were kind of middle of the pack in all those ratings that you gave. Um, but I feel like it could have been a lot worse if they're having to decide, hey, do I fair catch this because it's inside my own 10? Or, hey, do I try to make something out of this because we just have not been able to get it over the 50 today? Uh, it takes a lot of the pressure off of them, and it gives them that shorter field uh, of opportunity to do some real damage. I mean, if you return one for 20 yards and you're getting it at your own 40, you know, you're on the other, other side, no problem. You know, yeah. if you return it 20 yards and you're getting it on your eight, you're still pretty deep in your territory. So I feel like the defense that we have that gives these specialists, these returners on, on the punt return team and the, the blockers for that, that cushion of, hey, if we all we can do is fair catch it here, but we're still close to midfield, that's huge in my opinion. Yeah, let's, let's add another piece to that. It's not just the defense. It's knowing that now you have a fully healthy Rasheen Ali back in the, back, in the backfield that's like, all right, we know that this guy's a different animal than even what we saw Labron do last year. And now we can't talk about that enough. It was great. It was absolutely great what we saw out of Kalen Labron last year. But we know that Rashin Ali is just a different guy. He's a different weapon, right? He can run, and he's elusive, and he's strong, and he runs with power and speed, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So you don't have to, like you said, make something happen. I don't have to try for that extra you know, two, three, four yards just because we can't get something going and then have the ball punched out, right? So you can take what you can get, and if it's not there, you know, hey, this offense can probably move the ball with a guy like Rasheen Ali with a seasoned, uh, a more seasoned Cam Fancher or whoever QB1 is since we continually have to speculate that it's not <laughs> it's not necessarily going to be Cam. Right. You know, and and this myri these myriad of weapons that also are a year older. Charles Montgomery, Talit Keaton back healthy, yada, yada, yada. We talked about it, right? So I think that does take a lot of pressure off. 
the final strength for me for this group is the sheer depth potential at mm-hmm. kick returner and punt returner. It, I mean, it's to leak. Look last year to leak returns 16 punts. And uh, after he goes down with injury, you have to rely on heavily a couple of DBs to do that. You know, Stephen Gilmore and Andre Sam, they return 11 for the remainder of the, sh- of the year when Talik had 16. Well, now we just ripped off three, four, five guys that could do this for you, you know, and yeah, I don't think you're going to be, and we haven't even talked about any of the defensive guys that could potentially slide into these roles and be impact players because I, I guarantee you, I don't know for sure because I can't remember everything we say, but I don't think we talked about Stephen Gilmore being a punt returner last year when we did the special teams breakdown, you know? No, he was thrust into that spot uh, as as we were talking. Um, and it's, I mean, he was sure-handed and everything, but it wasn't like he was breaking, you know, 16 yards here, 20 yards there, that sort of thing. I, I, we were really behind that eight ball when uh, Keaton was gone. So you're mm-hmm. right. The depth that we have now, even though I'm saying that, the majority of the time it will be that one person, you know, if he goes down now, well, Keaton's right there, you know? Right. And yeah. So Keaton's right there. Harrison might have to venture into the punt return game because, you know, he hasn't done that before, but I'm sure he has done it in his career before. And then you have probably do have a couple of younger guys that we just didn't talk about. Maybe Charles Montgomery wants to, can get into the punt return game, or maybe Caleb Coombs gets into the punt return game. Maybe it's Jacoby Henderson or somebody on the defensive side of the ball that also is, uh, you know, really talented in that capacity. But I think the sheer depth is, is definitely a notch up from where we were last year in this, uh, in these two categories. Agree. So, so now let's talk about some weaknesses. Um, would you like me to go first or would you like to give me a first potential weakness? I only have one. Okay. So you go you go ahead with yours and I'll give mine and then you can finish. Okay. So for me, the number one weakness is you cannot finish in the bottom half in kick return and punt return yards like you did in 2022. 81 and 87 respectively out of 131 teams. It's not going to get it done. Now look, you don't have to add you don't have to double your averages in order to move up a lot of spots. It's generally mm-hmm. like one more yard is going to push you really, really high. Because the right. majority of these teams are really close together. I mean, like sometimes it's a one one hundredth of a yard difference mm-hmm. in in uh, some rankings. But still, being eighty one and eighty seven, that's you know that is not where Coach Huff wants to see this unit. Um, so even if we can add a yard or two to the overall averages, I'm telling you that means we've made bigger plays by and large over the course of a season. So that to me is a weakness. Until we prove that we we don't belong there. It's a weakness, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're gonna, we're going to have to prove it. I'm going to have to be shown that this is a top half of the country unit in kick returns and punt returns. Is the potential there? Yes. Is the production been there? No. And that's what we need to see the production get there. So going in until I see different, it's a, it's a, it's a weakness for me. My one weakness is we just talked about three strengths and it was only about the return game. So my weakness is that we do not have that confidence in our kicking game on any level, whether it's punting, uh, kickoff uh, specialist, or the field goals and extra points. That's all kind of unknown. We even talked about, you know, punter uh, McConnell had so many inside the 20, but he was not the guy 
for every single punting situation. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's a weakness that it's kind of unknown and that we have brought in all these other kickers to say, we feel like we have a problem. You know, I feel like if you have dominant punters and dominant kickers, that is so underrated on what you can do, especially when you've got a monster defense. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like we are bringing people in because those positions aren't settled. They did not underperform in my opinion last year. I think they did very well, but again, it's one of those things that we as fans, at least give them such a short leash and it's probably not deserved but you know how it is, you know, you go 40 for 42 and field goals and you bring up the two that they missed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, that's just the nature of fans. Uh, we're fickle by nature. We, we expect perfection by nature. But uh, that to me is a very, very uh, glaring weakness that we don't have these people that we're saying he's 100 percent the starter right now that it's all unknown and a lot of us is well we hadn't really seen these other guys kick that much that's a little scary to me yeah and actually that was my third weakness is that the average fan really doesn't know what to expect you know we don't know who's who we think we might know who has a leg up based on last year uh, the positive spin that you can put into that is mm-hmm. that they're guys like Talit Keaton Jaden Harrison uh Mason Pierce all these guys, they will undoubtedly always be able to provide you a shot of electricity in the return game. But as far as specialists go, you just don't know yet. You know, you think mm-hmm. you know, but you don't know. And you, even if you do know, you don't know how these guys, did they develop? Did they, did they regress a little bit? Like, we don't know. But my number two weakness for this overall unit, and of course this isn't necessarily a shot at Reese, but it's inconsistencies in the field goal kicking at times. They were an issue mm-hmm. in 2022, 13 of 20. Um, and we saw specifically in that game against Troy that the kicking game, like we needed some things to happen in the kicking game and uh, they didn't necessarily, you know, we let one get away right before half, you know, we needed that and, and we didn't get that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's unfair really for me to pinpoint down to one singular moment, but what are you going to, that's, that's just the nature of this positions. You know that. Uh, and I, that's why I, I, I'm starting to get an inkling and feel like maybe Reese is the guy below 40. Maybe one of these other guys is the guy for longer distance kicking. And we've seen teams do that in the past, and it's been very successful. And if that's the recipe that works, then that's what works. Because it's all about dubs and L's, you know, at the end of the day. And what can you do? And I don't think these guys are taking anything personally. You know, you're like, well, it's 42. It's, you know. I, I can't hit that consistently. I've proven that, right? Mm-hmm. One for five, and my long was 40. Uh, I still was very pleased with Reese Verhoff. I mean, let's think about it. I'm going to go back and talk about Notre Dame again. Here you have a true freshman kicker kicking in South Bend, Indiana, and making kicks, right? Making some kicks. Um, There's not going to be a bigger fire that they're going to be in in this year. I said it again. I'll say it. I'll keep saying it, right? So you hope as a fan that these guys are battle tested enough to be able to live in the moment and drown out the noise, especially when you think about half of your games being in the friendly confines of Jones C. Edwards stadium. So mm-hmm. you really just have to get out of your own way on the road most of the time. But I, I absolutely loved how Reese developed over the course of the year, but 
it's not unfair to say that it was inconsistent at times and and the yep. kicking and the kicking game really played a factor in some games for Marshall that we weren't on the uh, we weren't on the winning side of so well and that last game of the year he missed his only two uh, against Georgia State we won that game 28 to 23 Mm-hmm. You're looking at a game that that could have been looked at as, hey, that could have been the thing. That wasn't the only reason you right. know, we were in a tight game. But when those tight games and tight losses, had we lost that game, that would have been something that we pointed at was, well, we left points on the board because we had two field goals that were missed. Yeah. So, And that's we, at the end of the season. We could do coulda, shoulda, woulda, right? But you're right. That's a five-point win, and if you hit one of two of those, you push it to eight. And let's say they get a last-minute touchdown. Now they're forced to go for two. And Marshall, right. could, and, and Marshall could you know, have a defensive stand one last play and close out an even closer game. So you're, you're 100% right. When points are at a premium in any given game, doesn't matter how it plays out, you have to hit those opportunities. You have to hit mm-hmm. them. I'm fully confident in his ability moving forward. But it's still based on what we saw last year. It's a weakness. We we there's always going to be some level of inconsistency sure. because, dude, if you hit every kick, then every school in the world is going to be coming after you, right? Right. They, but if we can minimize that inconsistency or make sure that we are um, hitting the kicks in the vital moments, right, or or hitting that long punt when you really need it, you really need it in a game that's just been stagnant. And again, points are at a premium. That's what we need to see. That's the kind of stuff we need to see. We need a little bit of the clutch gene to pop up in these guys uh, for another level. If we were at level one with the clutch gene, we need to be at three this year. That's kind of where I'm at. But I still like overall where we are, but I'm always going to push for improvement. I'm always going to push for competition and these guys to push one another. How about the big four, Russ? Who are you most excited to see from the special teams unit in 2023? I'll give you one guess, Mason <laughs> Mason Pierce. I've been talking about it ever since he committed in uh, the transfer portal, but uh, that sort of electricity, we're not talking about high school tape here. We're talking about college tape of actual results on the field. And again, mm-hmm. this is not something that uh, you're talking about man amongst boys type deal. He He just seems to have that knack for returning. And uh, it's always an exciting play to have a uh, long return, whether it's 30 yards plus, whatever. But uh, I am most looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, I don't think I ever would have guessed that based on how <laughs> excited you've been. Even when the commitment came through, you're yeah. like, hey, I'm all about this guy right now. I am, and, I'm all in. And that's the McNeese pipeline, right? It's, right. It's, it's Corey McCoy to Andre Sam to now Mason Pierce. And we're switching sides of the ball but the McNeese pipeline over the last three years has been really, really good to Marshall. And this just could be the very next step. Look to me, even I'm speculating that he may particular may participate in special teams duties. I don't know, but I am just flat out most excited to see a healthy Talik Keaton. If he doesn't return kicks and punts, this is going to be a null and void choice, but I can't help it, man. You know, to see him go down last year and then work, work, work. And what we saw of him at the spring weekend it made me feel good. You know, it made me feel really good. So I can't lie to you. I'm, I'm excited to see a healthy Talit Keaton in 2023. Who do you think will be the hardest to replace across all these units uh, coming in this season? Now, there's not many. There's not many people. I'm, I'm going to say that uh, 
uh, I mean, this sounds maybe stupid to you, but Zach Appio, uh, because I can't recall a bad snap that he had last year mm-hmm. uh, as a long snapper. I know that we're bringing someone in specifically for that, and we probably wouldn't bring him in if he was not ready to do so, but that's tough to replace. And I feel like we have the weapons to replace just about everybody else on the, on the roster. Yeah. For, for special teams roster. I mean, right, right. You can make the case, you can make an argument that it's Stephen Gilmore because he had nine punt returns last year, but honestly it is Zach Appio because you're breaking in a new member of that uh, kicking triad, right? It's the kicker or punter holder, Slat and and uh and long snapper. And I think you can easily replace Gilmore's stats that he had. Right. That's uh, what I'm saying. In, yeah. So you can make a case for him, but the hardest one to replace is Zach Appio because yeah. he was consistent, he was good, and you knew that you were gonna get you had a quality long snapper trotting out there. So um I, I don't think that sounds weird at all. As a matter of fact, that's who I picked too. <laughs> uh who you think is gonna be your breakout player in 2023? Do I even need to guess? I think that it's gonna be a kicker. Okay. An, un- an unnamed kicker. Uh I know you were expecting me to say Mason Pierce. Yeah, I was. <laughs> but um I I feel like that is an easy, low-hanging fruit, not only because of my expectations that I think that that he can bring. Uh, as a game changer, but uh, <laughs> he's also brand new to the roster, you yeah. know, uh, which is why I think it would be good for a breakout. But I think that we're going to see a kicker, uh, field goal kicker, break out. And I don't know who that is. I don't know if that's Verhoff uh, becoming that indisputable guy or if it's someone else that we haven't seen yet amongst the people that we have. But that's just my belief is we're going to have a breakout guy by the end of the year that will be that clutch kicker. Well, I certainly hope that it is because that means means that the consistency in the kicking game has definitely shored up. Uh, But for me, the breakout player is the guy I thought you were going to say, and it's Mason Pierce because you come in as an all Southland performer and you've mentioned the highlights that are out there. They are really entertaining to watch. And if some of that translates to the Jones C. Edwards Stadium special teams and the herd special teams on the road, uh, that'll be a nice pick me up for the herd uh, in this capacity. So give me Mason Pierce, but I would not be mad at a breakout kicker. So who's your MVP overall for this entire unit in 2023? I think it's going to end up being. Uh, um... That, that kicker that's unnamed, I think that he's going to be that guy. I mean, if you have somebody that is that clutch, and again, I know that is so much speculation, but what can you do at this point in the season besides speculate? Right. And I, I think that a lot of it's wishful, but I just believe that someone, we have several different options, and if one of those options performs enough over everybody else that they have that clear number one, that they are going to have a heck of a season as a kicker, just because we have so many different options that we have put in for that position. So that's, and that sounds contradictory. I know because I just sat here and I said, that is a weakness, but I feel like that's a 2022 weakness versus a 2023 hopeful emergence. There you go. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. 
Well, I'm just going to name him. I think it's going to be Reese Verhoff. I think okay. he's going to be pushed by the added competition in the room and, you know, the been there, done that aspect for playing for the herd and, and performing for the herd. And I would imagine that it eats at these guys more so than it ever eats at a fan that they are a little inconsistent here or they let a big-time kick get away or they didn't come through for their team in a clutch moment when we really needed it. And I think that, you you know, you grow from that and, and you don't want to see that happen again and you work to keep that from happening again. And when you look up and you see that, oh, okay, we're bringing in three more kickers to uh, compete with me for my spot, you see what you're made of. Do you fold or do you, or do you fight for your spot a little bit more and, and try to get a little bit better uh, for what you bring to the table? So I think at the end of the season, when it's all said and done, Reese Verhoff is going to be your special teams MVP. I think you'll see a much better um, kick percentage, you know, maybe uh, pushing around that 90% type deal. And, and if we can push him into that, uh, you know, four out of five or, you know, three out of six from 40 plus, I can live with that based on where those, when those kicks come, you know, if it's one to win the game and you can't get it, I'm not going to be okay with that. But if it's, you know, to tack on just a, just a nice little morale builder in a tough situation or to extend a lead over a game that you're having trouble closing out, then I'm okay with that. Right. So, I'm just going to say it. I was rough on him in the weaknesses category for his inconsistencies, but I think he's going to bounce back in 2023 and be the MVP of the unit. So give me Reese Verhoff in 2023. I'm with uh, it, man. Final thoughts on this unit? Uh, if not, then give me what you do have and we'll close it out. We just, we got to see improvement. You know, I mean, that's our theme here. I think that we will. And I think that that will allow us to go from, um, a potential, a potential game in the very least up in the, in the record. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe that's from eight and four to nine and three. Maybe that's from 10 and two to 11 and one, whatever it is. But I feel like improvement in this top to bottom, but especially that kicking and field position game uh, will take us an additional win uh, on, on the year. So that's my yeah. final thoughts on it. I think you're going to need these guys to show up in a big way against Virginia Tech, East Carolina, North Carolina State, probably James Madison, App State, Coastal. I mean, most of your schedule, these guys are going to have to show up and, and mm -hmm. play a vital role. Uh, um, will they be able to do that consistently? Consistently, I don't know. I sure hope they do. But there are the games that you can look at on the schedule and go, our special teams have to be top tier in this particular week. You, you, we can all do that. Because we 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 let some games slip away from us, uh, it's not their fault. It's not all all like solely their fault, right? But like they contributed to that one slipping away, right? right. It's not unfair to say, and uh, we all we all know because we all saw it, and it is what it is. So if they can show up in the games that they have to show up, we can afford to take a miss here and there, or have a subpar punt return game or kick return game against Albany. Right. That's yeah. ultimately probably not going to factor in a herd victory. You but better it, hope not. But yeah, we all better hope not. But it, it most certainly will matter in, you know, a game against South Alabama. It will most certainly matter in a game uh, against East Carolina. It, it just mm -hmm. will. So, mm -hmm. you know, you got to be great in all three phases. These guys were okay 
like above okay last year. They were good, but they weren't really good slash great. And that's where we yep. need them to be in 2023. So if you're all done, take us out of here. Yeah, whether you see us at the cam, whether you see us at the Joan, whether you see us um, getting tickets and going all in all over in, at baby. the Herd Tickets office, wherever you see us, we're going to be saying, go Herd. Go Herd. It's the Thundercast. You can come back next week as the breakdown series continues with the offensive line. We'll see you next week. Later. Later.